0: Welcome, 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 dear listeners. Uh, my name's Jared Walker, and I'm here with my compatriot, uh, Damo. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm all right. And we're, we're reconvening after many, many months deep in the bowels of the earth in our prepper bunker, hiding away from COVID and Trump and murder hornets. Uh, you, you heard about those, didn't no. you? Yeah, murder hornets, they, they made an appearance in the US, stinging people. Apparently they have very toxic stings. It's
1: gone mad. The world's gone mad.
0: Yeah, 2020. I think, short of swarms of killer bees making their way to Australia, I'm not entirely sure what else this year has in store for us. Uh, but anyway, dear listeners, today we're going to discuss a, a an array of new offerings in streaming cinemas everywhere, mainly because uh, we haven't really sat down for a chat demo for quite a while. little while. It's been a while. This is becoming uh, not so much a bi-monthly thing, but uh, a, a bi-quarterly... <laughs> Whenever we've got the time yeah. <laughs> in between doing this and doing that and doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: it's uh, it's And avoiding contact with others. Mm, av- oh, yeah. Avoiding
0: contact. Yeah. Well, we've wiped down the desks and sterilized the microphones with those big Smoke blower things that they have in South Korea that featured heavily in Parasite. I might actually kick things off with my impressions of Hamilton. I have to admit, I had a bit of trepidation because I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but there are a lot of musicals that I am a fan of. I am a big fan of An American in Paris, um, The Red Shoes, and movies like that, but then Sound of Music, West Side Story, those kinds of classic ones, but Guys and Dolls with Marlon Brando, and Frank Sinatra, I like those those ones I saw when I was a kid, but... When I got older and I saw All That Jazz, which is probably my favorite musical, Bob Fosse's uh, film that he wrote and directed, which is kind of a semi-autobiographical feature about a driven choreographer who smokes and drinks too much and womanizes his way into a descent down the drain somewhat, and uh, he ends up in hospital because his health starts suffering and uh, it does feature musical sequences in operating theatres and stuff. It's very strange, but um, that the is th- one th- of th- my difference,
1: yeah, the difference. Yeah, Hamilton is the film version of the stage show.
0: Well, yes, Hamilton landed on Disney Plus, and it's a the stage show that ran from 2015, uh, and I think it was sh- this the show was shot. The, the show they filmed, they shot in 2016.
1: Yeah, I think it was meant for a Doco, and then they just. Turned it into a big uh, feature. It was actually going to be a theatrical
0: release. Okay. Because Hamilton is so kind of highly lauded that the tickets are so prohibitively expensive that unless you're willing to drop 500 to 600 Australian on a ticket, um, you're
1: not going to see it. Well, I think there'd be a difference from seeing it live as opposed to seeing it on your telly. Yeah.
0: Um, I've actually, I've spoken to people who've seen it and- they've seen it on Disney Plus and they saw it live and they, they think it's actually a better version of it because you're right up in their faces. Because they, they shot one matinee, they shot a several performances of songs. So they actually performed the songs without an audience, had cameras on stage. They all come
1: in on the Monday for their day off yeah. to film the close-ups. Yeah. yeah, and
0: apparently they were exhausted by the end of it. They Can just, imagine, because it's, it's two hours 40. It's, it's a long one. Talk about dense! Oh my goodness, that was there's a lot info, in there. It's an info dump. Yeah, I put the subtitles on. And, I had to, and I found that it um it actually made a world of difference. I, I appreciated the wordplay more, and and uh, also the writing I appreciated a lot more.
1: I think if you have a good knowledge of American history, mm. it would probably help. Yes, because there's a lot of things in there that I wasn't aware of. We we sat there and we we Wikipediaed. Oh yeah. Because I thought John adams he has got something to do with apples, doesn't he? <laughs> oh no, hang on—he's the second he's the, vi- second president. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, and so was his son John Quincy Adams was president as well. So he does yeah. quince jams? Qu- no. <laughs> no? <laughs> mm, <or> quince, <laughs> um, quince paste,
1: mm, delicious with cheese. I thought Burr—the character Burr—was yeah. astounding.
0: I—I didn't really know about Leslie Odom Jr. I know he's starred in a couple of things. I'd heard his name, but. He is fricking magnetic. Like he is Denzel level of a screen presence and X factor. Like I predict he w- is one great role away from be- just being a, an A-lister. And in Hamilton, I think he's the MVP
1: of the whole It was amazing. Production. There was one bit it's where the, 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 it kicked in, the music hit, and he hit this really powerful, mm. uh, I sat bolt upright. Yes, I didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. He's talking about some history lesson. He's got
0: something. a, there's a song, I think you might be thinking of what is my favourite song of the whole thing, which is called Wait For It. My grandfather was a fire and brimstone teacher But there were things that the homilies and hymns won't teach you My mother was a genius My father commanded respect When they died they left no instructions Just a legacy to protect Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes, and we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason, I'm still alive. When everyone who loves me has
1: died, I'm willing to wait for it. Wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it.
0: Leslie Odom standing on stage under a spotlight talking about, um, essentially he's a waiter. He waits for an opportune moment. And that's, that's when he seizes his, his opportunities. He's not a taker. He's not a climber, an ambitious climber like Hamilton. And the story kind
1: of parallels these two guys. I can't say though that any of the songs have stuck with me. Oh, really? No, I, I, while I enjoyed it, I thought Mm. it was good. I I was more interested in the, in the technical aspects of it. Yeah, I get you. Where are the microphones on the ladies? Oh, or in the hair. Mm. It's in here. Yeah. That no, was probably. very. I, I noticed. Things like uh, that. Yeah,
0: I noticed uh, Lynn Manuel's mic in his hairline. And I thought, oh, that's a really clever place to keep it rather mm. than the, the side, the motivational speaker mic that always sticks up the side. I was blown away by it. Okay. Um, and I actually have watched it about five times <laughs> since. I, I, I've i um, watched it once. I'm done. Yeah, I'm happy. yeah. yeah. I, I get it. It's just for me. Um, I'm a big fan of hip hop. I like the conventions of of musical theatre. I think you have to kind of be down with that mm-hmm. if you want to even get into it. I went and it. saw
1: Phantom of the Opera in yeah. Sydney twice. Yeah, so I, see, I saw Cats in yeah. London. Okay, right. I so you're, all you're, that. you're you're open to but the conventions, but I think for me, yeah. I want to be there. I want to feel the yeah. music. I want to. I've oh, got man. a good big, you know, fuck off sound system at home, mm. but there's something about. The theater of, and the musicians being there and all that.
0: The music was great. Like the band were fantastic. And I did love. I can't fault the production. I love the sort of texture of the music. Like there was a, one of the tracks sound like a Barry White song. Mm. And it's just like, they would go from a hip hop. Then it will go to like, almost like rock opera. I did like the King. Yeah, <laughs> Mindhunter. Yeah, Jonathan Groff so from Mindhunter. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's in this it's, as well. He was and, so uh, good. He was terrific. His walk, apparently, uh, he was backstage and Beyonce came back and she had seen it and she said, I'm going to steal that walk. <laughs> and when he that's, relays the story, wow. he's like, yeah, I pretty much just died right then <laughs> and that was it. You know, And she did because that's the walk she came out with in um, – Oh, it's the college football brass band concert that she did, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. And she does that walk, which has to be a pretty great claim to fame if you're an actor like
1: Jonathan Groff. Mm. It cost Disney seventy five million. I think it's money well spent. I think well the, the producers of have people, made a moatzer off that because yep. I think from what I, again these are all estimated yeah. thingies that the numbers that you read that it cost them about ten billion dollars to mount the production to have it filmed. Yeah. So they've made make their money back easily. It's like it's so for, for me, because it's
0: kind of my jam and because I just I it just clicked with me, um, I think it's money well spent because now people have it on tap and they mm. can just go back and watch it over and over. It's there's the first
1: a, first film with a Disney logo to be PG thirteen. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh of course because yeah. it's the Disney like oh, the Wonderful have, World of Disney that's logo right. and, not, and there's swearing in it. I didn't they even think of that. Couple of f bombs.
0: They did. Um Interesting. Interesting. I loved it. I just think it is probably one of the better. It's absolutely worth I've looking seen. because mm.
1: what it did for us as well is made us do some wiki searching and who mm. are these people and what did they do and what does this all mean? It's amazing, and it did
0: make me think. It's come along at a great time to have such a musical with a diverse cast and the theme of who whoever tells the story writes history, history. Yeah. and that theme I think is fantastic and. By God, they are a great cast. My goodness, they're all firing on all cylinders, and there isn't really a a sort of a bum note in any of them. They're all so terrific in their casting. A couple of them play
1: multiple roles. Yeah, that's that's wow. That was great.
0: I just I loved it, and uh, now I can see why there was so much fuss over Lin Manuel for Mary Poppins and Moana because of course he wrote a lot of songs in that. Yeah, Um, really talented dude. There's actually been a few headlines, so I might yeah, rattle yeah. through Tell some, some. movie-related headlines because there's some interesting um, movie and streaming-related things have happened in the past couple of months. Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman, and he's in talks to pick up the cowl again and, and reprise his role as Batman in the upcoming Flash film. And... Uh, Famously, obviously, you know, dear listeners, he, I want to see that. Yeah, well, it, as soon as I, as soon as I read that, I just thought that is genius. Like yeah. an aged Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he looks great now. He's in great shape. He is Michael Keaton. He is awesome. And let's face it, he's kind of my cinematic Batman. I've yeah, always, yeah, me too. I, I've got a soft spot for Michael Keaton. And the interesting thing is, is that the Flash story arc that is apparently going to be used, this is all kind of rumour at the moment, but it is uh, heavily rumoured, shall we say, is based on the Flashpoint comic book arc, which sees uh, Barry Allen, also known as the Flash, travel to a different universe where the the current version of the Justice League doesn't exist. And all I could think was, hmm, I wonder if they're going to kind of reboot it. And I don't know if that's a bad idea or a weird idea. It could work. but It could be both. Yeah. The idea is that Keaton would play an older, uh, sort of wiser or wizened Bruce
1: Wayne. Is there there anyone tipped for the Flash or is it going to be the TV? It'll
0: be Ezra Miller again. It'll be the the Flash that they established in the Justice League film that we saw. But of course, Zack Snyder is famously rejigging his Justice League. I don't know if you're aware of this. But um, uh, the Snyder Cut release, the Snyder Cut has been. Uh,
1: was that seven hours? Uh, yeah, well,
0: <laughs> probably. And look, I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of his interpretations of um, Justice League or Batman versus Superman or any of those films. They, they were. I enjoyed them, but I wasn't massively um, loving of them. No,
1: Batman versus Superman was a hard ride for me.
0: Well. For the better part of three years, um, sort of DC fans have have uh, been on Twitter and hashtagging Snyder cut, release the Snyder cut, and it's prompted a sort of a lot of arguing on film Twitter, which is a dumpster fire, that is to be sure. But uh, basically, there was a Man of Steel watch party on Vero, Vero, the um, the app that lets you kind of share um so you can right. watch and sort of all watch and comment on a, f- on a single thing that you're viewing. And Snyder announced that his version of Justice League was finally being released. And this has come as a bit of a shock because most people think that Zack Snyder left the production famously. Uh, he had uh, family issues. His d- daughter actually committed suicide. So he and his producer wife, Deborah Snyder, bowed out. And Joss Whedon came on board, um, he of Buffy and the Avengers, and uh, I'm nodding. Yeah, you're nodding, and he came on board and finished the film. And what that resulted in was just an amazingly incoherent kind of mishmash of styles. They're very different. They're very different, and there's a lot of stuff that didn't work. There was the infamous moustache gate with uh, Henry Cavill. Henry. Oh, that's right. The Witcher Cavill. And um, bounce a coin off your witcher. And they uh, basically had an argument with Paramount because Henry Cavill was shooting his rather fantastic role in Mission Impossible and um, had a mustache and couldn't shave because contractually he had to keep it for reshoots. And so uh, Justice League were like, well, we we need him for these, these reshoots now. And they were like, okay, well, we'll foot the bill and you can CGI his lip. And so that's, ended, that's what happened. And so Superman's got a weird face for the whole of the film. He's got this really weird, stiff-looking jaw yep. because they CGI'd his lip and got rid of his mustache. Now, a lot of those decisions came from Joss Whedon. Um, a lot of them were from the studio. But Zack Snyder's departure just resulted in a in a massive clusterfuck, basically. Well, it says here
1: $25 million in reshoots and yes. stuff.
0: So now HBO Max, which is the uh, streaming app that's launched, owned by Warner Brothers.
1: Oh, uh, I did read so that. So yes.
0: now they're releasing it as an episodic kind of a limited events, like limited series, event series. Yeah. And I can't say, I'll, I'll watch it for sure. Like it, 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 it could be interesting, but apparently there's Kevin Costner's in it. And all this other stuff. It's like, what? They're going to. So it's a completely new version. And most importantly, a different bad guy. So Darkseid, who is the DC version of Thanos, he's kind of a Thanos like, sort of godlike character that they have to team up to beat, is going to be the bad guy in Justice League. And um, yeah, which is like, okay, well, I'll I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'll
1: see it. We're we're, we're, Fox still, I guess. Yeah, HBO?
0: who would who would get it out here? Do you know what? It's kind of anyone's guess. It would be international distribution. I think Foxtel would end up getting it somehow because uh, because they have a deal with HBO, which is depressingly, they, they re-upped their HBO contract. So again, Foxtel are the gatekeepers for anything HBO. And, well, and they've got
1: their own streaming bizzo now, yeah. Binge. Yeah. Because
0: we need another one. We need another one. And uh, look... I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I'm actually yeah. quite keen no, to see that's it. How, that I'm, sounds cu- interesting. Curiosity uh, has killed my cat, so to speak. So
1: I will. Um, well, again, it gets so, the, the technicalities behind it all as well. Hmm. But that's what I find often interesting in these things. If you don't enjoy the film, look at it for a different.
0: Well, that's it's quite reason. fascinating. So yeah. the whole Michael Keaton possibly coming in doing Flash, do it, Michael, dovetails into dovetails he into that to Justice League
1: Michael Keaton.
0: He listens to this. Well, I, I believe so. In he fact, I think he's... Oh, I've got a text from him. He's saying, <laughs> I'll do everything you tell me to, great. Michael. Uh, also, do another Beetlejuice. You can you can do that hey. because you'd still look good and he'd have the makeup on. I think he could totally pull it off. I think he'd be great, actually. Winona would be up for it. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Have Winona... Maybe she's still hanging out with Beetlejuice be all these years later. I, I want to see that. Such a great film. I think if you think it's all the CGI craziness that they could do with it, you could actually make it quite fun. But anyway, there you go. Uh, so he's hoping they bring in... But apparently the the role they kind of want that Batman or that Bruce Wayne to take is like a Nick Fury-esque kind of role. There's a, a couple of other things, you know, uh, we've got... Uh, they've just recently announced. In fact, I think they just announced uh, today... Um, That Netflix has committed their largest budget for The Grey Man, which will be, uh, I believe, um, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo of uh, Avengers Endgame and and Captain America's films. Uh, They're going to do a a mano a mano kind of uh, action espionage thriller with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. The Grey Man, that's the film, that's what it's called, turned into a best-selling book series and the expectation is that Gosling will continue in multiple ex- installments. And it was developed years back um, as a Brad Pitt, James Grey vehicle, James Grey directed at Astra, mm-hmm. but it stalled. And so the Russos have quietly been developing it for years. That sounds like my... Jam, and I will totally be watching
1: that. I th- that's bound to be an ex- a success too. Like mm. that sounds really good. Yeah, I want that now, Jared. Bring
0: it, bring it now, Netflix people. <laughs> make it, make it happen on the TV now. I not they the, just have to push a button? Yes, push a button and deliver that film, please. Yeah. Tell the algorithm to create it forthwith. <laughs> that brings us to our first film that we will discuss because it is the latest cinema release. Um, and uh, it is King of Staten Island, directed by Judd Apatow. You touched on that last time we spoke, and I've since seen it. And uh, yes, and I think um, it started Thursday. Yeah, so it's currently in cinemas now. What were your uh, What were your thoughts? How, how did you how did
1: you react to it when you saw it? I watched it based on your recommendation. <laughs> and <laughs> That sounds very accusatory. But I think- Loved it. Mm-hmm. I, it seemed very real to me, the relation, particularly the lead character and his three mates, I believed they, and they say to each other, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes. As mates would do. Yeah. And I believed it. Hmm. It was a good film. He's, the lead character is oddly attractive and appealing. Yes. Extremely likable. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's a bit of a. He's a massive fuck-up, yes. basically. Yeah. But you just um, like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he, he's a fuck-up, but through, through his actions or inactions, but he wants to, he, he's trying, kind of, yes. other than sitting in the basement smoking pot and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just he just spends his days smoking weed. Um annoying, kids. annoying his mother, annoying his sister. Uh Maude Apatow, daughter of the director, plays his sister. Pete Davison's kind of an interesting he's an interesting character because He's on Saturday night live. He's quite well known, you know, people know him because he was engaged to Ariana Grande, the pop star. He was I think he currently or he was just recently involved with Kate Beckinsale. So, he kind of has these high-profile celebrity relationships, but the guy is just riven with mental health issues and he has <clears throat> drug addiction issues, and, you know, depression and anxiety and and in reality, his father was killed in 9-11 in one of the towers and was a firefighter. And he basically um, uh, has fictionalized his life for that film. And so we worked with Judd Apatow, and Judd Apatow has remarked, you know, most most celebrities I work with are like actors who are kind of want to imbue a role with part of their own life. They're not like, yeah, just have at it. Just anything about me, you can just reference, talk about, discuss, make part of the character, make it, you know, bring it to the fore, make it prominent. And that's what Judd Apatow did. And so it's almost kind of painful. It's almost kind of hard to watch when you sort of think, oh, wow, this is all real. Like the the character, Scott, that he plays is this near-do-well fuck-up. He just, he's always taking drugs and he wants to be a tattoo artist See, I he's, didn't.
1: I didn't find it hard to watch. I was with him uh, as because I wanted him to succeed because he's so he's so likable. He is.
0: He, I found him likable. What I mean is a hard to watch. I mean, sort of cringeworthy, yeah. especially like tattooing a nine-year-old boy yes, yes. and stuff. And you're like, what are you doing? Um, bad decisions. He's just yeah. this fucking blender filled with
1: bad decisions. It's got no lid and it's just spraying all this. (laughs) And you're like, what are you doing? Not Um, to give anything away, but that bit where he's standing, you know, standing by watching out for the other guys who are doing the thing. Yes. But he he gets distracted by his phone. He gets distracted
0: by his phone. And then shit goes down. Yeah. He gets involved in some uh, nefarious, illegal sort of goings on because he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. And yeah, he's just... Um, you you kind of have to factor in the mental health of the character because I've I've read of a lot of reviews that found this a difficult film to watch or they were sniffy about it because they didn't like that the fact that the lead character is so deeply flawed. But he is really likeable. I do find Pete Davidson likeable, but, he, yeah, he makes bad decisions and sometimes it's quite hard to watch I, characters we, do that.
1: We've all got flaws.
0: Yeah. But I've read some very sniffy reviews for um, King of Staten Island, like very unfavorable. Burn them. Yeah. I just, For me, uh, what really brought, injected a lot of heart into it, what really brought a lot of warmth into the story was once he tattoos this nine-year-old kid's arm, because the kid says, yeah, I'll have a tattoo, <laughs> he starts to tattoo the kid's arm and you get, and he gets so far as a line and then the kid runs off Later that, cut to later that day, uh, Ray, played by comedian Bill Burr, pounding on the front door of Margie's house. When she answers, he starts ranting about her son, like, what the hell kind of parent are you? And she's just like, what is going on? And she's horrified. And that then kicks off the sort of second part of the story, which is that Ray falls for Margie and ends up becoming kind of like a de facto or sort of part, time kind of stepdad to, yeah, yeah. Um, or father figure of a kind to, um, the character Pete Davison plays, Scott.
1: And then f- further to that, then you get uh, Steve Buscemi doing a yeah, Steve, similar. Steve Buscemi
0: really... basically playing himself yeah. as a, as a firefighter, a wizened firefighter. Um, cause if you're not aware that Steve Buscemi has been a firefighter for a, a quite a long time, uh, volunteer in New York. And, um, I don't think he, he's done, he's gone for long periods where he hasn't worked, but. Um, I think he was he was in amongst it uh, at nine eleven, helping his uh, his firefighter colleagues. So yeah, seeing him playing a kind of um, true to life character, yeah, it's one of those strange things where if their performances are a kind of informed by their real life uh, exploits. And... But
1: when we were chatting the other day, that's the thing I said: real. It mm. seemed real to me. Yeah, and I yeah. I want that. And
0: it didn't have a broad. It didn't have a an intention to deliver broad humour, the humour just arose out of the yes, pathos yeah. and out of the the characters.
1: There's some funny moments. I found
0: Bill Burr absolutely hilarious. His kind of tightly wound
1: <laughs> hair trigger,
0: bad temper, yes. firefighter yeah. with the ridiculous mustache, which yeah. he apparently he was told if you're going to play a firefighter, you've got to you, you've got to have a mustache. So he grows this mustache. But boy, the character is. Just terrific, because he's dealing with his own shit as well. Yes. And so they both knock up against who each other. Who plays his ex-wife? Pamela Adlin, who was in uh, the TV series Louis with Louis C.K., and then she's in her own series at the moment called Better Things, and she plays the ex-wife.
1: Yeah, she was good too.
0: And she's, so, yeah, she's I, terrific. In fact,
1: I thought they were all good. Yeah. I just, it was just nice. I, particularly, there's a, like here on, I'm just looking at intermo- Internet Movie Database, Uh, Angus Costello played the, um, his title was Kid Who Vomits. Do you remember Kid Who Vomits? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear.
0: Yeah, it had some really... Really funny bits. For me, it, it didn't ever venture into broad humour where I felt like it was trying to find comedy. I felt that it it just organically mined the drama yeah. for the comedy. And for that reason, I think it's the best thing that Apatow has directed. I know. I, I would like agree a, with that. I, it was mature, a good, good film. And proper the, film. you
1: know my usual bitching and moaning about length. Because this yes. is, it's two hours, 20, something like that. It's, yeah. Um, I, that, it didn't bother me at all. And in mm. fact, I was quite, I'd be quite happy to sit through that again and just try and catch some more nuance that I may have missed. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I would definitely
0: watch it again, yeah. for sure. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I, like, I just found it so um, kind of warm and honest and affecting is a yeah. good word. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah. Just because, one, I just thought, my God, he's had a really tough go of it when it comes to his life. Like, clearly... The death of his father did deeply affect him, um, and so you know you you read the critics' reviews for a film like Honey Boy, where Shia LaBeouf uh, will has written a script based on his own life, where he plays his own father and his own traumatic upbringing as a kind of stage kid um, with an overbearing parent who's got uh, substance abuse issues and mental health issues, <clears throat> and everyone highly lauds that. But when someone like Pete Davidson does exactly the same thing, but with Judd Apatow, I think Apatow also draws a lot of criticism anyway. People have preconceived kind of criticisms that they want to unload as soon as he puts a film out. Um, they have a certain attitude and a slant towards their opinion um, when it comes to him.
1: That's all ridiculous. And I know we all probably do it because, you know, I won't watch anything with Nicolas Cage. Do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
0: I started to watch because I've never actually seen it. Bad Lieutenant Port of oh, Call, New Orleans I started it. to watch it This yeah. week And I got about An hour in That is a crazy film
1: I'm actually going
0: To finish it But it is, it I, is I shouldn't
1: weird. say that. I mean that's broad For Nicolas Cage Because there is Of course The Rock There is of course Con Air yeah.
0: <laughs> I loved Con Air And <laughs> Moonstruck
1: uh, Moonstruck is probably... Oh and the other one The Coen Brothers uh, Raising, Raising Arizona. Arizona
0: Yeah Vampire's Kiss
1: Was always a favourite Nah it's got Nicolas Cage in it That's
0: <laughs> That's the one where
1: he eats the cockroach. He actually ate a cockroach oh, for
0: the film. It's disgusting.
1: But um, The King of Staten Island, like I watched a couple of films over the weekend and it wasn't the best thing that I've watched over the weekend. Right. I liked oh. The Old Guard. Ah, we have not gotten to this. Yeah. Right.
0: Interesting. Old Guard, Netflix, uh, based on Greg Rucker's graphic novel. He wrote the screenplay, which is quite rare. And Gina Prince-Bythewood is the director. Now, she, back in 2000, directed Love and Basketball, which was a really highly lauded indie film um, and is one of the uh, – well, its claim to fame is it's one of the most successful films directed by a black woman. Mm -hmm. She is a fighter. She's a terrific interview. If you ever have the chance to hear her talk, she's great and full of lots of interesting uh, kind of advice and because she's been through the wars – She's really had to struggle to get to a position where she can make a big budget film like this. And I, I don't know. She has a focus on character. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, I yeah. love. And she really and you get a lot a of shit. that in this. Yeah. It's like she really spends time with these characters, this crew of immortal sort of special forces at uh, dudes and uh, dudettes. <laughs> I say dudette because, you know, uh, well, Charlie's Theron Theron, Charlize Theron plays Droniki of Scythia, And Adronachy is also known as Andy. And Adronachy is, I think it's it's actually an ancient Greek reference, although that's not talked about in the movie. But in the comics, it is discussed that she's 6,000 years old. Um, 6,000? Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, they ask her numerous times. Different characters sort of say, how old are you? And she never lets on. She's ancient. And I did love that idea. Um, So it's kind of Highlander meets John Wick. In a way It's Mm. kind of That kind of action The action's Terrifically slick And fun Very bloody Very gory They have lots of fun With the fact that They can't die So they're getting Mortally wounded And facial shots And
1: stuff And they just Heal and come back I think For me as well I went in Knowing it's Netflix And it's Charlize Theron Mm. That's it I didn't know Anything more about it Mm. Turned it on And Like hang on What What the fuck Ah, I see. I yes, see. Yeah,
0: i I loved it. Me I too. Really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a little mystified by. i you know, I've, I've met a couple of people that didn't enjoy it. And I'm I actually enjoyed it to such a high degree that I'm a little bit like,
1: What do you mean you didn't enjoy it? Mm. Hmm. How could you not?
0: How could you not? What's it your had, What's it your had problem?
1: Character. It had laughs. It had action. It had a good duration. Yeah. It sets itself up for yes.
0: More, yeah, massively. It's it's it, it reeks of sequel at the end,
1: and I really hope it, they make one a movie sequel or a, even a series potential, there isn't I there? I think you could spin off a really good series, yeah, based easily. On that idea. And I sure. said to someone uh the other day, would, would Charlize Theron do TV? Yeah, she'd do a limited like a Netflix series for sure. Well, if she's got kids now, she needs to. She needs a bit of stability
0: yeah. needs to, you know, she's Good missed weekend. out on obviously Mad Max Fury Road. They're going to, George Miller's making the sequel and uh, rumor has it that that will be uh, a lead role for Anya Taylor joy or, uh, Jodie Comer from killing Eve and that, uh, Charlize cause he wants to go young for Furiosa and Charlize Theron was a little bit heartbroken in an interview. I read a quote from her saying she was a bit bummed out by that, but that's she's George's, only
1: four months older than me. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, George Miller wants a young kind of, I guess, twenties ish sort of actress. Which seems a bit ridiculous considering how indelible the Furiosa role was. But I think George Miller's now looking at the Mad Max franchise as <clears throat> you're not in Australia anymore. He's he's setting it in kind of a generic wasteland. He's trying to make these really archetypal
1: But she's stories. why wouldn't you why wouldn't you keep her? Because old guard's good. You go back bombshell was was good. She was good in that. She was good in. I, oh, sh- i was at The long shot was blonde. The atomic blonde. Long shot was crap, but she was good in it. She's always good. That's the thing. Why she's not got keep a, her? She's
0: always good in comedies. I find she's got. She's very game. She's very committed, and she's willing as a to gonna throw herself headlong into stuff. That's why she's so good in the physical roles, where she's beating the crap out of
1: people. And she's good in this. She's really us
0: Yeah, she does kick ass. Like quite a bit, and the cast is terrific. Um, Charlie Theron is uh, the, the story's kind of not told, but it's you're sort of you've got a character in there named Niall, uh, mm-hmm. Niall Freeman, played by Kiki Lane, and and she's a new recruit to the group, and she has uh, newfound kind of uh, immortal kind of tendencies, if you want to call it that. She she resurrects after being killed um, in Afghanistan, and she's recruited by Charlize Theron as uh, Matthias Schonatz, who's um, was in Rust and Bone. He's basically like, as as the director Michael Mann would put it, because it was his descriptor for Rob De Niro in Heat and Tom Cruise in Collateral uh, about the character type, and it's rough trade in an expensive suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I would term Matthias show when you see him, he's kind of got this sort of, he looks like he could kick your ass, but he's, he's handsome and sort of rugged. Suave as well. Suave, yeah. yeah. And but, he's the, great. But
1: of the others as well, I loved, it was Joe and Nikki, you know, when they, yes they're they talking and they said that, well, the, I think it was security guards or the cops or whoever had them. Is That's that right. your boyfriend? Yes. And that reply? Yeah, that was terrific. Was
0: amazing. Yeah, Because... This, that's the I think that's why I liked this so much is it really let you chew on the ideas of what if you did live for millennia mm. what if you'd been alive for a thousand years and how would that affect your just your psychology and the way you thought of, and your relationships with other people The that one that, that fucked with... me
1: up too though was that you know we're back in the witch burning era. Yes. And then what happens to Charlie's Friend, uh, yes. I, I, no spoilers. Let's not talk yes. about what happens there. But holy f-
0: crap! Yeah, it's a really weird. That's a very freaky idea about how you would torture somebody who was immortal. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, uh, repetitive death is all I'll say. It was very, very, very disturbing idea. So that, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. It's quite violent, but um, in a very comic booky way. But yeah, the uh, Marwan Kenzari plays Joe, and uh, um, and and Luca Marinelli plays uh, uh, Nicky Nick, or Niccolo, yeah. And Chiwetel Ejiofor, another Oscar winner in the movie, playing uh, CIA agent James Copley. And uh, I, I I thought it was also worth seeing uh, Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter playing the evil <laughs> kingpin of a big pharma company. Big farmer, always getting yeah. in the way. Harry Milling, who's popped up, if you remember, dear listeners, in Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And he played a limbless uh, actor that was being carted from town to town by Liam Neeson, and he'd performed for people in the
1: town. That's um, worth checking out. That, that story is so dark and bleak. And this one's also, it's well made, it's well shot, it looks yep, great, yep. good soundtrack. It's big and slick. One thing I did notice is it's very... Televisual,
0: and I don't want to damn it with faint praise by saying that. That's not some sort of backhanded comment. I mean, it looks more like a TV show, and I'm wondering if that was very deliberate. If you, in the treatment of the story, like it feels like the foundation story for like, for a really solid TV show. It's a big pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Like a big, big budget pilot. Either
1: way, give us more. Yeah. I would absolutely
0: watch the crap out of this. If they, if they extended it, did a sequel. Um, just refreshing, awesomely diverse cast, treated all the characters with intelligence, emotional intelligence. And it just, it was great. But
1: they all had reason. Mm. They all had purpose. Even the CIA, FBI, FBI C- do it. CIA. That
0: um, Chouetel with the board of all the things. Yes. Yeah. Well, why is it? No one ever just uses a computer. Like, why <laughs> would you pin pictures and, and newspaper, newspaper articles, clippings? Yeah. Newspaper clippings with really clear labeling that you've just written underneath and yes. and pieces of wool and string all over the wall. Just put it. Just put it in a computer. You don't need to have it on the wall so people see it when they but walk in. It might
1: in. accidentally go up onto the cloud. Or yeah, something. That, yeah. Oh, that bloody cloud! So that's the old guard. That's on Netflix. The other thing I watched over the weekend was Greyhound. That uh, Tom Hanks. on yes. On. Is it, It's Apple. Apple. tv on that,
0: Apple yeah. TV or Apple Original, I believe they call it. Right. Targets disappeared, sir. Here they come What are we going to do? We'll bring hell down from on high mm.
1: the, the length had me Like I, I like a good world war kind of film yep. 90 minutes N- Yeah For a, for a yeah. film
0: like that I was like I was doing a golf clap. <laughs> Congratulations, Aaron Schneider. You are the director. Congratulations, sir. You have made a film at the perfect length. And it's adapted. Is it C.S. Forrester? A C.S. Forrester yeah. book called The Good Shepherd. And, and written uh, by Tom. And written by Tom Hanks. The name change uh, from Good Shepherd is, for obvious reasons, there's actually quite a few films called The Good Shepherd. I think the last one was De Niro's film about the formation of the CIA. had Matt Damon in it. Okay. Um, But Aaron Schneider, the director of this, is a cinematographer, and he also did a lot of crewing and uh, camera assisting on – Early Steven Summers. Do you remember? You know the guy that made the Mummy f- f- franchise, mm. and he made um, the terrible Van Helsing. But he also made Deep Rising, which was Titanic meets Aliens. Do you remember that? The uh, alien on, vaguely, on board an yeah. ocean liner. But it is utterly ridiculous fun. But most tellingly, shot on water. And low budget as hell, but really effective, like really effective. Well, I think the budget for this was quite low. Yeah. The, uh, um, 50 million. Yeah. Wow. Which let's face it, these days, that's a drop in the bucket. Um, and well,
1: particularly because there's a lot of effects in it. A lot of high aerial shots. Yeah.
0: And to give you good geography. W-
1: water is not a good, no. not an easy thing to, to animate.
0: I was really, really impressed at the effects in this. But it's uh, basically U.S. Navy Commander um, Ernest Krauss is assigned to lead, played by Tom Hanks, assigned to lead an Allied convoy across the Atlantic during World War II. His convoy is pursued by German U-boats. And although this is Krause's uh, mission and he's in charge— he finds himself embroiled in what would come to be known as the longest and largest and most complex naval battle in history, which is the Battle of the Atlantic. And they have this kind of slang term descriptor for that section of the Atlantic. They call it the Black Pit. And it's the point at which your air air support, um, so air support being planes Planes. that can spot U-boats and drop depth charges and bombs on them, uh, effectively. Effectively. Yeah. They can't support you until you get closer to the U.S. Uh, in this case, I think, or they're, they're going from the U.S. Montanari. to the U.K., yeah. yeah. But um, either direction, there's that cutoff point where the air support has to turn back. And so that point on is called the Black Pit, which sounds pretty awful. Ernest Krauss, that, as a character, is kind of a, like deeply religious, says grace. Whenever he's presented with a sandwich or any kind of food stuff, a cup of coffee, he'll say grace before he consumes it. And all his men sort of stand there silently waiting for him. Like he's very kind of heartfelt, very kind of solemn and quiet, uh, religious man. And I loved that. Just little, little, little touches, little, you know, Hanks is such. He's such a dab hand. Like, he is a proper movie He wasn't star. overly
1: Tom Hanks in this, no, either. No, he wasn't.
0: And he's, su- he's such a movie star.
1: Yeah. Like, just, he blows no, he me carried, away. He carried this, and and well. I read a review that was complaining about the fact that if you removed him barking orders to the crew and, you know, left rudder this and blah, yeah. blah, there's kind of five to six minutes of real dialogue. Oh, yeah. Then and I would be a
0: piffle to you. because Find the, that reviewer and punch them.
1: The, I want... A journey. I want a, a ride of some description in a film, and if because yeah. we're we're covering kind of a 48, 50, 56 hour kind of period in this film, yes. And I was with them, like we're on the ship with them, and that's how I felt. I was on the edge of my seat when the, when certain things were happening, and you're like, holy fuck, they've got a there's a there's a U boat there, and the U boat there, and he's spinning around to go and do this, and yes. I was I was along for the ride. It took yep. me on a on a journey, and I was it's. Blown away by it a bit. There's
0: something incredibly uh, engaging and enthralling or absorbing. Yeah, absorbing, word, yeah. when About watching people do their job. And then when they do it well, there's something quite fascinating that a, just pulls you in. And particularly in
1: those circumstances yeah. because people's lives yeah. are at the, at the mercy of what happens next. So if you can imagine, dear listener,
0: ships... Sailing in columns, so there's four or five columns of vessels, so they're all following each other like ducks in a row, and the these destroyers are supporting... Supply ships. They're, they're supply ships, yeah. and they're hospital ships, and all kinds of ships, but they're supporting them, and they're sort of cruising around the perimeter, and essentially hunting for, and, uh, and trying to... Destroy German U-boats before they get to the supply ships and take down. And they lose several ships in the process, as well as their own ship being, um, you know, fired upon. So dodging torpedoes, maneuvers, taking, um, you know, battle stations. Firing upon U-boats, hitting some, missing others, a bit of a kind of cat and mouse essentially going on with the, with the uh, German commanders of the U-boats. Who taunt them. Who taunt them over the radio, which I loved. But it's so stripped back and spare and straightforward. It's terrific. Like I, I was into it and I was stapled to the chair. Yeah, that that review I read
1: made me cranky. It's like, you didn't watch the same film I did or you've gone in having expectations.
0: Yes, don't don't do that. It's it, it's so depressing when the clear uh, positives yeah. about a film are just completely missed by a reviewer. It really pisses but me off. But
1: what do you want? Another film that we've seen fifty times? Yeah,
0: it's like I don't want to see overwrought. That to me, it's reality when yeah. you're trying to achieve a level of um, and, and and believability.
1: Warfare like. in in the forties mm. with you know they've got their bloody their, the pencil things drawn on the map and all the little dials and stuff. It's all yes. like, God.
0: I can't believe it. Like, they're using like China graph pencils yeah. uh, and drawing on the radar screen, putting dots where they predict that this the U-boat will be. And the, the poor and sonar their, dude <laughs>
1: trying desperately to hear the whir of an engine That's or right. the propeller or... Listening for the telltale sounds. It's amazing. Like, it really was... I re- No, I recommend that one. Jump on and, and, dial, and dial that up because it's worth a look. And uh, And... Gladly, I was really heartened to read that it, um, when
0: when they released it on uh, July 10, um, Apple said it's the biggest debut weekend of any program on their platform. And uh, apparently the figures were commensurate with a summer theatrical box office big hit. Awesome. Which is no mean feat. And again, it's going to push this thing about... Uh, vod and home rentals and essentially streaming releasing films on streaming as being quite viable when it comes to these kinds of budgets if you talk about a 50 million dollar film i don't think a studio is going to have a problem releasing that on vod so it's been a hit which is great the director clearly knows I guess the reason I mention Aaron Schneider's experience working with Steven Summers is Stephen Summers was also someone who could make a what looked like a big blockbuster from the smell of an oily rag. And I think he's And done it did.
1: When I saw what the budget was, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's actually yeah. quite cheap for what because
0: you've got. Because you'd swear like they did. There's so many things in this that you i I'm watching and I just think, oh, that looks so cool. You know, and it's such a modest budget, but by golly, it's so It's so riveting and tense. And and the little moments, like the slippers,
1: little things like that. Mm. Like that's what make it real. Yeah
0: get my jacket and he brings a sheepskin jacket. Yeah, put it, it, puts it, put on, the it radi- on the radiator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I loved all that. I loved yeah. all that. Um, this is a kind of movie, it makes me get a bit sniffly watching it. I think, oh, my dad would have enjoyed watching this sort of film. Tom Hanks is definitely, in this film anyway, I think he's in sort of Saving Private Ryan mode. That was the character he reminded me of, that sort of strong silent type. In that film, he was a school teacher. In this film, he's got a similar kind of vibe. That but this is, evolved.
1: well. There was moments where the and the and the crew of yeah. the ship are so young, mm. and you can see them look to him, yeah, for instruction or yes. what are we doing now, and they trust him. Yeah, and I, I loved
0: that. I loved that, and I loved. I, I won't reveal what it is, but that there's a scene at the end with it, which made me go. Wow. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's to do with the kind of trust and bond that they form with him over the, the, the days. It's like four days yeah. straight of this cat and mouse, which I just cannot believe what that would have been like for them. And they're just being hunted by these crazy uh, German U-boat commanders who were no doubt off their dial on meth. Um, yeah. And
1: then, but the other thing, even when, cause it, you know, people die, I'm not giving anything away there. It's mm. a war film. But when... I I I felt for the the crew of the German yes sub. Yeah, it's, it's like oh. because it
0: doesn't you don't have any and this is the other thing I loved it's told purely from the perspective of uh the destroyer and Tom, Tom Hanks crew. You you don't it doesn't cut to like the you know a German German U-boat interior.
1: There's lit no with there's red one there's an one sh- one or two shots where we see the periscope view of from the water level, yeah, that yeah. was. I didn't like that. I, I want that gone. Yeah, because that's not a point of view yeah. I can have.
0: It's like, hang on a sec. You haven't established who is looking. Yeah. So let's not. Yeah. That's, but that's uh, you know that felt a like minor, a, cheaty, a cheaty, kind of way to get that angle. Uh, I agree. I like. I know what you mean. Is I want to see it solely from one perspective. You know, you don't need to see it uh, like it's a because a God's well, eye. You view, didn't need to tell us know? that
1: because we know what's going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such. Oh, I was so impressed by it because I love films that get in and get out, and they make their impact and they keep it ninety minutes. And they because it's, they just want to entertain you and thrill you, staple you to your seat. I mean, I, I genuinely was like, okay, well, I might pause this and get up. I did. I couldn't leave. I, no. I, I watched the entire thing in one yeah. hit, and boom, it was
1: fantastic. What, and what and film. the credits have some um, beautiful, and I'm I'm a fan of. Archive, yeah, stuff yeah, and some great the beautiful photos and video,
0: uh, video, film, yes. and of course, yeah, it is. Uh, well, there's n- no women actors in the film except for Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Shue. Elizabeth Shue who bookends it, yeah, um, and a sort of a nice, lovely, small sequence with Tom Hanks. But Stephen Graham, who I love, who you would probably recognize, dear listeners, is Tony Pro from The Irishman, if you've seen that at all recently. And he plays a lieutenant commander, like his uh, his executive officer. And, uh, yeah, the rest of the cast are all young men. I did notice that uh, Chet, Chet Hanks plays um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bushnell. And, uh, yeah, so Chet, his son, is obviously, I've not, I, I know he's done a little bit of acting, but I, I wouldn't actually recognize him if I saw him. But um yeah, Thomas Kretschmann, who's like the the go to evil Jew, evil German guy basically plays the he's the voice of the taunting U boat commander. But uh yeah, just thrilling. Very old it took me back to those old World War Two films like Run Silent, Run Deep, um Destination Tokyo with Cary Grant, all those submarine films where I think is it Enemy Below. Uh yeah. Robert Mitchum, I think. I think oh yeah. Enemy below Robert Mitchum and uh Kurt Jurgens. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a, that's a terrific sub film. I yeah. mean, submarine movies, they're a genre, a sort of sub another sub genre, Dust Boot. Dust Boot is that's, that's Dust Boot's hard, uh, it's hard for me to even compare to another. It's so like seriously. I saw the four hour cut, yeah, M- yeah, yeah, that's the one I saw, so, like, yeah, that yeah. is it's some of the most tense. Filmmaking I have seen, and I, you're genuinely sweating in that
1: film. It, there's no way in hell you get me onto a sub, even if it's in dry dock. No, no, it's just, no way. No, no, not after the end of that film. <laughs> but yeah, that dry docks a, its an illusion.
0: Yeah, Dust Boot. I haven't seen the TV series. I I don't know what that's like. The new one that they did. SPS played it, didn't they? Mm. Might be on there. Yeah, w- it's on w- demand. Yeah, um, I might have to give it a watch. But yeah, Dust Boot is unassailable. See, I, a-
1: I was going to, but then I thought, oh, I'll, I'll watch the movie again. And then you go, oh, hang on, it's four hours. It's 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 a it's a commitment, but worthy worthy. But it's just a matter of finding four hours unless I do it over the course of a week or something. I
0: think I found that that's what this had the bridge of this destroyer and the kind of tension that they managed to ratchet up in the story was like a submarine film where you've got that tight crew, Mm. small spaces, claustrophobic. Um, you don't really leave their perspective or point of view. Um, and I love that. And Uh, the the cook.
1: Yes. Like even little moments between him and the, the captain. Yeah.
0: And how the cook always preempts him and says amen when he's saying grace and yeah. stuff. Um, I like that. It, it, yeah, it's just terrific. Like, it's, for me, it makes uh, Aaron Schneider um, uh, someone to watch. He made a film called Get Low, which I, I think had Robert Duvall in it. I can tell you that in a second. Back in 2009, Robert Duvall. It's kind of a quirky um, Sissy Spacek, Bill Murray, Lucas Black. It's sort of a oh, indie film. Oh, that's a film. big cast. Yeah, it's a great cast. Yeah. And it's about a... Um, Tennessee a Tennessee hermit in the 1930s who throws his own funeral party while still alive and uh, it's kind of quirky comedy um, set in the sort of c- beautiful country uh, countryside but um, Robert Duvall's great in it and it's definitely like miles away from this kind of film mm-hmm. but uh, it seems you know I mean let's face it you can't be too strategic about but any what good you
1: director direct. is gonna not necessarily always bring you the same thing no and
0: i think a lot of filmmakers you you, you direct what comes to you yeah. it's like you don't have that much control over what you make and don't make it's like whatever you can get made and this obviously is the kind of film you can get made it's tom hanks it's an actioner. But if they
1: can do something like that for 50 million and then what What yeah. did that avengers you know the 17 hour epic the oh end, end game yeah avengers
0: Endgame. would that would have been like 300 350 probably yeah. Would have been a lot. So you could give me 7 of these. I've I've read that Tenet will have to earn 800 million plus mm. to break even. Jesus. Which I mean you've got a factor in marketing which is usually a huge chunk but that would mean that that film's about 350 400. I have read before. That's an astronomical yeah, number. I have read before that it is his biggest budget for a film. God, it's it's it, they he said by it is by far his biggest film which I me think how much are they spending on this mm. um so what are they doing that's costing so much yeah that's what i love about the secrecy around it because you think wow what aren't they showing us in the trailer a lot by the while well, they they blow up a plane a real plane 747 <laughs> So, did you by any chance watch uh, Eurovision Song Contest? With <laughs> it was a nice film. The, the, yeah.
1: Was it uh, Fire Saga? The story <laughs> of Fire Saga? I liked it. I, I liked it a yep, lot. Yep. Uh, Will Ferrell. They got Eurovision right. They it's did. it's sweet. They had a hamster
0: wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yes. Oh, I loved
0: that. I actually really enjoyed it. I really it's enjoyed it. It fun. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't as overpoweringly Will Ferrell, and no. I, that's what I liked about it. It but was more about her, the relationship. It's got a heart. Yeah, it was sweet, and that song she sang at the end was quite lovely. Yeah. I thought it was really earwormy kind yeah. of. I found myself singing it afterwards.
1: I don't need to watch it again, but I had a grand time watching it. Yeah. That <laughs> Pierce Brosnan.
0: Yes, I just thought, yeah, they clearly we thought, let's get Pierce Brosnan. He did that Mamma Mia shit. Let's
1: get him in this because he'll do it. And um, it's kind of tacky. That and... poor Russian guy as well. The the Russian, oh, Dan
0: Dan Stevens from um, Downton Abbey, yeah, was... doing this appalling <laughs> Russian accent. It was good. Very very funny, and um, I was quite taken aback at how much I enjoyed it. Actually, I was yeah, only, yeah yeah, Ding Dong. Yeah yeah, Ding Dong. <laughs> It's just that the trailers have really played up the Will Ferrell angle, whereas if you watch it, he really does kind of play it quite straight. Yeah, and he has moments where he's doing the Will Ferrell thing. Will Ferrell finds shouting to be quite hilarious, and that's why he kind of does that shtick in in most of his films. But it's it's quite he's quite they really sit on
1: him here. Like like when he's in the car with the Americans.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was good. Yeah, it is good. I, I liked it. The hamster wheel was funny. Um and uh, Rachel McAdams is a really funny actor. Like yeah, she's no, she she's great. great.
1: I like the elves. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like what's what's going on with that? Well there was a little thing that happened there and we didn't uh I'm not i am not going to spoil it, but something happened there. Yeah. that we didn't come back it didn't come back.
0: No, there's the if it the reviews I read we're like, well, clearly they've improvised a lot of the story, the plots, and there's improvised scenes and characters are introduced that then depart quickly, or the characters show up later, and you think, hang on, it did make, make me, me want to go on... since the beginning. But uh, uh, visit think... Iceland, it does make. If they me want have, to visit if Iceland. they
1: have synchronized whales, <laughs> synchronized whales and breaching from the from the
0: bay. <laughs> it's just it doesn't really seem too concerned with um they they want it doesn't want to they want to make it as euro as possible yeah. and so surreal and weird and odd they're going for that as opposed to trying to make it more an american as as opposed to trying to make it something like blades of glory but eurovision which i think is what people were expecting but what you get is more kind of kooky but and isn't odd. will ferrell's wife is from Sweden. So he'd be very, yeah. very well versed. He with said the, it was like 30 years ago. He, he's he been watching it since. Like yeah. he, he sat down to watch it and he was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? And they said, well, it's kind of like the Olympics meets Idol meets, uh, you know, the voice meets. Yeah. And, and he, he was and amazed by Graham it. Graham Norton's in it. Yeah. Graham Norton. Who, like, that, I guess it would have been Terry Wogan if uh, yeah, he was still alive. Terry, he, was, he was such good value. Yeah. He was always toasted whenever he did those. Um, he was completely drunk whenever he's commentating on the Eurovision it was funny it does help you get through Eurovision no it's great
1: yeah Uh, check it out Eurovision
0: Song Contest is hilarious
1: uncut gems what was it
0: uncut gems that piece of shit yeah
1: (laughs) gold (laughs) it's gold Uh, never have you and I disagreed so much about a film oh I,
0: I I was my socks are blown off. I want to, vis- I'm into viscerality. I want, I want to feel, fi- oh, the gut punch of a film. Like, wowzers. That film was amazing.
1: That's what I love about Uncut Gems. Yeah, That's I'm going kind to of- change the subject, so I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I saw a little film, and you may have seen it, you may not, which, which surprised me. Again, it was part of a, uh, um, this sounds interesting. I'll put it on. I've never heard of it. Mm. Freaks of Nature. It's about five years old. Let me just read you the synopsis, hmm. because in, a ta- in, the t- in the town of Dilford, humans, vampires, and zombies were all living in peace <laughs> until the alien apocalypse arrived. Now three teenagers, one human, one vampire, and one zombie have to team up to figure out how to get rid of the visitors. It's not brilliant, but Jesus Christ, it was fun. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay. It's a good little film. So this has got
0: um, it's got a good cast. It's got yep. Nick, Nicholas Braun from Succession, Vanessa Hudgens, got Mackenzie Davis, Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary, Bob Odenkirk. Yep, Keegan Michael Key from uh, Key and Peele, Joan Kuzak, Pat Oswalt.
1: Okay, I'm watching this. I'm watching this. It's I have not seen this. Good fun. Like I, I laugh myself the way through, and it's again, it's a nice little what is it? Hour and a half. Yeah. Highly recommended if you can find it.
0: Oh, I will definitely check that out. It says here that you can rent it on uh, YouTube. For those, for the uninitiated, Nicholas Braun is the is plays cousin Greg on the TV show, the hit TV show Succession. This Highly recommended looks for, for a eye.
1: laugh. It's not brilliant. So it's, it's, it's a horror comedy. comedy. Is yeah. it?
0: Uh, is it quite uh, gory? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about um, Peter Jackson's film. Oh, and some good nudity too. Oh. Nudity? Is there any dudity in it? Bottoms. Nah. Well, as long as there's equal opportunity nudity, that's not really a problem these days. But uh, oh, I may have, I may have oversold that. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll undersell it. Just say <laughs> this is how you undersell it. You go. Mm. But how's that synopsis though? I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm not really a fan of these kind of movies. But yeah, it was all right. <laughs> there you go. That's that's underselling it. There you go. But um. <laughs> but yeah, freaks of nature. I. I will definitely watch this. This looks good. Twenty fifteen. How did this come? I out? don't know. I it slipped, even...
1: it slipped under the radar, and 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 it was a nice, nice surprise.
0: Uh, they have they've even got character on online character posters for it, like you would see at the cinema with different characters, and because it's got a great cast. Oh wow, interesting. And it looks like just before when they were on the cusp of hitting it big, because I think Mackenzie Davis is in that um, show, *Halt and Catch Fire*, about um, uh, a tech company. Um, and that I think she was kind of just about to, and then she did that uh, the latest Terminator film. I think that kind of kicked her up a notch. She was also in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So well, doing very well, doing well for herself. But anyway, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. The other one that I saw, and this is currently in cinemas, is the Personal History of David Copperfield. How good was that? That was. Fucking brilliant. I like, had such a so, good time with that. Yeah, I don't use this word much when I describe movies, but it was just so wonderful yep. and joyous yep. and breezy. And Dev I, Patel, I,
1: he's always he's, watchable, but this fantastic. was...
0: Yeah. He is fantastic. And I, I love the just... Uh, colorblind casting, which you know people go oh, sniff at and moan about. Oh, dear. just, just Hollywood it. trying to be all diverse. No, it's terrific because they cast really funny people for the roles. They just don't give a crap what race they are and what ethnicity, and uh, and it makes for just a really fun sort of uh, vivacious cast, really buoyant and happy. Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Laurie. Peter Capaldi. Yep.
1: I, that's a good character. Peter Capaldi
0: knows. as Micorba is hilarious, and he's constantly being chased by bailiffs because he's in debt. <laughs> um, just it's so funny, and so it really brings to life the uh, David Copperfield in a way that um, makes it real. It illustrates just how much, like how hard comedy it was. It's hard comedy. It's a it's a very comic, silly story and the characters are crazy and i love those the names of characters that dickens gives he always names his characters with really strange titles and
1: i'm um, ben whishaw
0: ben whishaw is yeah. uh, uriah heap he's terrific it's it's freaking brilliant it's it was like a, such a joyous time at the movies yeah it was nice um yeah that was a real breath of fresh air um, armando anucci directed that and uh, also wrote it or adapted it um, and he uh was simon blackwell his um his Writing partner, and they of course created uh IML and Partridge, uh, Brass Eye, um, uh, in the US, Veep, and uh, recently Avenue Five with Hugh Laurie. Veep's good, yeah. Armando is a very talented man, and uh, yeah, very, very he's got a great sort of uh, barbed satirical edge to his writing, and it suits us so much. So, David Copperfield is, is just wondrously enjoyable, like, just yeah. It came at a good time, I think, that film. It was good. I think I needed but to the see with, like that. But
1: the thing with with you look at uh, Dev Patel. Yeah. I, I I thought Hotel Mumbai was a bit of a... I didn't see the point of that Yeah, film. Yeah. It was a bit too close to the actual events as well. And what are you giving me? He was, yeah. of course, he was good. Yeah,
0: I, I see what you mean. No,
1: I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. But what was the point? Mm.
0: It was... T- it wasn't kind of filtering it through any perspective or opinion to kind of it just here's a thing a that actually
1: happened where people died it's
0: it's sort of yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean to me it felt like they were doing like a united 93 green grass type thing where they make a uh make a film uh, slice of life much like greyhound where you just depict an event you just depict something show it happening. Cinema verite style—you just run a camera through it, and just you're witnessing these events transpiring. Mm. Um, But United ninety three, I think, was important because it came at—it was so soon after nine eleven. Yeah, it was only like two or three years, and so there was that too soon kind of thing happening. But Paul Greengrass was so, because of his background in Northern Ireland and as a documentarian and he has a background in sort of as a journalist covering some really, like Bloody Sunday, for example, yeah. which he made a film about. Um, he covered all these real life events. And I think that the the act of doing that, somehow seeing it visualized, it had a real impact then.
1: You but, see, you say three come out very quickly after. Mm. This Hotel Mumbai was 10 years later. Yeah. And, and I still don't get the point of it. It's sort of, it just depicts the kind of, the heroism, I guess, and the sort of but My point is, Dev people. Patel, he's mm. good. So he was good in that line, he was good in, like Lion, it's one of my favourite films. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. Yeah. The Man Who Knew Infinity. I loved that film. It was very good. Yeah, I found that, it just got me. It's rather touching. Yeah. It got me in the feels. And the Marigold Hotel films, they're fun. But I'm just going down his list there and Slumdog Millionaire, of course. Mm. Anyway.
0: Yep, David Copperfield was. Yeah, I will watch that again.
1: Oh, will yeah, Have another look.
0: I'm a I'm a massive Dickens fan, so Charles Dickens uh, adaptations I'm a, I will I will watch and rewatch because I just I do I do like those um, that setting. I like those stories. Uh, I think. Well, um, oh, I don't know. For me, that kind of. Wraps up pretty you've, much. You've given me some I've things to,
1: to to look at for next time. Yes, um, th- that is the viewing that I have been up to lately. Other than I've begun watching Mrs. America, Kate Blanchett, which is I'm um, two episodes in, and I'm I'm liking it. But that's all yeah. I'm going to say right now.
0: Right. Well, we'll have to do, when we when we reconvene, which will be soon rather than later, um, dear listener. Uh,
1: we'll talk about it then. <laughs> yes. Dear listener. Dear dear listener. <laughs> I'm talking to one single person. <laughs> uh,
0: Mum, thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. No, we'll, um, when we reconvene, we'll talk further about uh, Miss America because uh, I've heard good things. So I do want to check that out. And I'll, I'll hopefully we'll be able to watch cast. the whole thing in its entirety. Yeah. And then uh, and then talk about it later. Yeah, there's a few shows that are gearing to start up again, so w- there'll be more to talk about next time, and hopefully more cinema because now they're open, and hopefully they stay that way. Covid go away. Back down to the bunker again. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a long climb. Oh well, it's time to go and buy all that toilet paper and uh, stock up. Stock up again. Thanks for listening. And uh, nice talking to you, Jared. Nice talking to you, Damo. And uh, we will reconvene again. Dear listeners, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.